0: now we'll have experts agencies and professionals give us step-by-step instructions you can easily implement what you're listening to will be actionable steps you can do today no strings attached and then you will see the results so without further delay let's get into our Monday morning marketing episode Hey, Jordan. So talk to us. Tell me one or a couple tactics, strategies, or thoughts we can do with in-house membership plans that you know can definitely help other practice owners out if we were to implement it today.
1: Sure, dude. Yeah, absolutely. So there are lots of things you can do. The first thing that I would recommend um, everyone do when they have a, a dental membership program, they're offering it to their patients, is be very conscious about your demographics. A lot of practices don't understand or, or what, what I've seen out there, they'll, they'll just copy like their neighbor down the street, the practice down the street in terms of pricing and benefits, which is okay on the benefit standpoint, but you got to understand your own pricing and the the demographics that you're targeting. For example, if you are living here, I'm in Utah, so I'm going to use a Utah city in Lehigh, Utah, which is where our office is at um, the, I think the, the median income is 106k a year uh here and poverty levels are 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 very low and there's a lot of tech companies so if i were a practice here i would definitely make sure i price uh my membership program based off of the median median income we found that the most successful practices will price their membership pricing between 0.30% and like just under a half percent of the median income. That's how we get the, the, like the yearly subscription. So that's what I rec- recommend is understanding your demographics. In addition to that, when you're looking at demographics, look at all the local businesses in your area. There, there are so many local small businesses that uh, are trying to retain employees right now in this day and age where it is an employee market. Mm-hmm. Meaning employees are leaving and finding other jobs elsewhere, and the employer uh, needs some type of mechanism to help retain and attract uh, new and their existing employees. So helping their employees is a as a benefit uh, for joining the you know the whatever company maybe it may be a small marketing company marketing agency or a uh, an accounting firm. There's so many different industry types. Uh, I usually tend to say focus on health conscious. Industries. So industries that typically work face to face with people that, you know, they don't want to be missing a teeth or having <laughs> nasty looking teeth. If they're facing people, a lot of medical spas are health conscious, finding those types of businesses and talking to the business owner and basically educating them on how a dental membership program can help retain their employees but also make them look like the superhero by giving their employees something, uh, you know, a benefit plan. So we do this here at BoomCloud. All of our employees, um, there's a, a practice down the street, Dr. Anderson mm-hmm. in Pleasant Grove, Utah. He use, he has a membership program uh, that, that we help power. And BoomCloud pays for all of our employees to have a dental membership program through his plan. And they absolutely love it. So that is one way we use to attract and retain our employees, but that's what I would encourage uh, other practices to do, is find businesses that uh, that will benefit them. I think that's a wonderful marketing strategy to grow a membership program and that's I would say the, the the hardest part about the easiest part of creating and growing a membership program is is actually designing the plan and saying this is what we got, right? Hmm. The hardest is communicating to patients and growing the membership program to hundreds or even thousands of active membership patients, um, and I recommend you know B two B. You focusing on local businesses um, is such a great way to talk to one person, but you get many right their employees. So that's that's one of my biggest tips. That is a a, a trend right now um, in dentistry, and I think uh, go deep in it. <laughs> It'll, it'll, it'll help grow that membership program and, and drive even more new patients to the practice. So that's one of my biggest tips. In addition to the knowing your demographics, um, the reason uh, let's go back a little bit on the demographics, because Mm -hmm. I got a story, one practice, uh, that we've worked with, they had, they were in a very low income, high poverty area Mm -hmm. and they, they, they just copied a plan from somebody else in another state. And like, yeah, we'll just do this and we'll see if it works. And they struggled to get anybody to sign up to their membership program. And a membership program is a volume game. You're not gonna be very successful if you can only sign up 10, 20, 30, even, even you know, 50 active patients. You, you need hundreds to thousands to make it really be a large benefit to the practice. And this particular practice uh, just overcharged basically based off of their demographic and were unable to grow. But until they realized that that's what they were doing and we helped them, you know, shift their plan, they started signing up more and more uh, patients to the membership program because they got the demographics right. And it's, it's so important to understand your market and what's around you from a local business standpoint to the median income of, your city or county or multiple counties that you target, uh, depending on your location. It's so important to do that in regards to growing your membership program. That would be the foundation of it. So those would be my two tips for uh, growing your dental membership program. When,
0: when it comes to the demographics, where's the starting point, Jordan? Like, let's just say, all right, I, I want to do this. I want to start finding out my demographics. I created a really simple plan, right? Two cleanings, things like that where do we go from here now? Like what's yeah. the immediate
1: step? Great question. So there's uh, websites you can go to. I think that the consensus, the government has some, a website that you can go to that uh, looks at your local area. You type your zip code in and you can see um, pretty much everything you need to from pov- the poverty levels to the median income um, to the population size. Population size does matter too because if, if you're in a, a location I think it's like consensus.org or something. I can't, I don't remember the exact thing, but if you if you Google search your city and state and, you know, say population and median income, you'll be able to find lots of resources out there, but I think it's consensus.org. I'm happy to get the actual URL because I I don't remember boring URLs like that. Uh, (laughs) um, (laughs) uh, But I would say looking at, so you want to look at the median income Mm-hmm. Of your of the city or cities or counties you're looking at, the poverty level if it is it high is it low um because that will say, okay, well, median income looks great, but if the poverty uh level is is super high, you know that gets me thinking um and then um the population size so like if you're in a, if you're in a bigger population of what we've seen here, if you're under eight hundred thousand citizens and is in a city Mm-hmm. you can actually get a little bit closer to 1% of the median income. Meaning if the median income is, is hundred, hundred thousand dollars a year, you can take 1% of that and make that your, your, your price for your membership, your annual price for your membership program. So that's when I say 1% of the median income, that's what I'm, I'm talking about. Um, So that's, those are the three things that we typically look at and then, Back to the population size. The smaller the population, you got to be a little bit more conscious and a little bit more tighter in regards to the percentage you charge of that median income. If you're like a million citizens in a city or whatever, you're going to have a little bit more flexibility because just there's just more people to market to, yeah. right? It's just it's not rocket science. So that's kind of how I look at uh, those metrics and how my team is is trained here to look at those metrics to help a practice. Uh, the pricing is so key often either people price too low and they feel like they're getting a ton of success, but they're not profitable with a membership plan. It is important to be profitable because you're scaling this to hundreds or thousands of, of people. <laughs> Meaning if you're scaling a negative profit, you're scaling a negative profit, right? It'll yeah. just keep getting bigger and bigger. You don't want to do that. So a lot of people either charge too little or, or too much. And it just makes it really hard to grow a membership program if it's not the right pricing. So that's the the foundation level, right? And then um, what we've seen too come about with the lower pricing plans, um, there's a lot of like discount-only membership programs. Uh, Mm -hmm. It seems like a lot of those are are happening right now. Meaning if you are in a low poverty area, sometimes you'll offer like a discount-only membership program where they get discounts. And uh, based off like a traditional membership program, um, patients are getting exams and cleanings included. This would just give a discount to exams and cleanings, um, and whatever that may be, depending on the practice, it can range from 10% to 35% discount off of, off of like a cleaning and things like that and whatever. So, um, I I do see a lot of that in the lower income areas because it's sometimes hard to include every single benefit that a traditional membership program offers Mm -hmm. and be, and, and match that, that, like the poverty levels and the, the median income levels of, of, a, of a lower income city. So that's kind of my two cents there.
0: I like that because you don't want to be too like, you don't, I mean, not to like speak, uh, you know, lowly on anybody, but like I wouldn't want to price my membership plan too low. And then I get like a lot of the patients that kind of don't want, you know what I mean? At the same sure. time. Yeah. but uh, I do want to know like, oh, what's the perfect price. So the three things we yeah. need to look out for is, can you reiterate
1: again? Yeah, so the three things I would say that the median income of the cities you're targeting, mm-hmm. the poverty level. So if it's a lower poverty level, you have a little bit more flexibility in terms of your pricing. Mm-hmm. If it's higher, you just got to be a little bit more conscious. Um, and you, you may have to run some surveys or, or just know your, your customer base, patient base. Mm-hmm. And then the third one would be um, the population size. If the the larger the population, the more you can move towards 1% of the median income in terms of pricing your your yearly subscription fee for your membership.
0: Gotcha, gotcha. So we we do those three things. And then from that point on, we kind of start coming. I think it's good because that way we don't have to copy like the other practice down the road and be like, well, they're charging this much. And then we're probably copying a plan that doesn't even work really well.
1: Yeah, that's the thing. You don't want to. You don't want to copy. You want to know the, the the science behind it, in my opinion, because not not every practice understands the the behind the scenes mechanisms of what makes a plan profitable. And then the same thing, you can do the demographics in regards to attracting small businesses. You can under, you can ask those questions like, Hey, what's the average uh, salary you're you're providing all your employees, and you can kind of reverse engineer that as well if the employer is open to talking, but you can, um, a lot of practices will create custom plans for each small business based off of, you know, the size of the business. So population, mm-hmm. um, the, 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 the income amounts. Uh, and then we typically don't look at poverty level with, with yeah. businesses because most people are getting paid pretty decent, hopefully.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. I like that. I like that a lot where if you sign up like a big, like warehouse or corporation, right. Yeah. And they're like, Hey, yeah, we can definitely make this happen. And they like provide their own insurance, you know what I mean, for them.
1: Yeah, and, some, and sometimes a uh, practice, if they're, if they're offering to a, a small business, the, the larger the business, the, they, they just get, you know, deeper discounts. Uh, not like PPO deep discounts. <laughs> yeah. That's insane. We don't, want to, we don't want to replicate the PPOs, but they get a better offering because of the volume of patients they're bringing to the practice. So that's kind of how we look at it and what is going on out there in the industry.
0: Nice, man. Awesome, Jordan. I appreciate your time. And if anyone has further questions, you can definitely find them on the Dental Marketer Society Facebook group or where can they reach out to you directly?
1: So I would, you can always reach out to me on LinkedIn or Facebook. These days, I feel like I'm more active on LinkedIn. I don't know why. (laughs) And uh, of course, you can go to our website, boomcloud.com. That's B-O-O-M-C-L-O-U-D.com. And you can schedule a demo to see how our software helps uh, create and organize and even help you grow your dental membership program. So that's that's those are the best ways to find me. Awesome.
0: So guys, that's going to be in the show notes below as always. And a quick side note, if you're listening on the podcast, make sure you look at the video to see Jordan's background. It's a pretty cool looking background, but uh, <laughs> I appreciate you, Jordan, man. Thank you so much for everything. And thank you for being with me on this Monday morning marketing episode.
1: Thanks, dude.